We don't win down here. We lose. You ready for that? Oh, you, th- oh, you were a post-millennialist. You thought we we're just going to go waltzing into the kingdom as you took over the world. Welcome to Nobody with a Bible. I'm Chief Nobody Brandon, and here we talk about all the things and use biblical discernment while doing so. So let's dig in, not using your feelings, but God's truth. What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. All right, we've made it to L in our podcast series on the five points of Calvinism. L, this is one of the most controversial points, if not the most controversial point, is for limited atonement. Limited atonement. And this has to deal with Christ's death. Who, for whom did Christ die? Uh, the, the limited kind of sounds, it's misleading at first, so... Um, we, we just understand that this is, um, uh, this is a discussion, of course, about Christ's death and for whom he died for. Okay, now I know that kind of may sound, and this is where a lot of people misunderstand this doctrine and don't even give it any thought when they just parrot what they hear. So this is why this doctrine is important, but... Um, you know, as I said, limited is is misleading, okay? Because most people just kind of just rage at this point when it comes to it, and and they have, you know, they they don't really think it through. Um, but it's important that we think it through. I'm gonna go ahead and read. R.C. Sproul has a wonderful little article here about it. I'm gonna go ahead and read that real quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. But he says. This doctrine is chiefly concerned about the original purpose, plan, or design of God in sending Christ into the world to die on the cross. Was it the Father's intent to send the Son to die on the cross to make salvation possible for everyone, but with the possibility that his death would be effective for no one? That is, did God simply send Christ to the cross to make salvation possible, or did God from all eternity have a plan of salvation by which according to the riches of his grace and his eternal election he designed the atonement to ensure the salvation of his people was the atonement limited in its original design I prefer not to use the term limited atonement because it is misleading I rather speak of definite redemption or definite atonement which communicates that God the Father designed the work of redemption specifically with a view to providing salvation for the elect, and that Christ died for his sheep and laid down his life for those the Father had given to him. One of the texts we often hear used as an objection against the idea of definite atonement is 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. And that reads, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The immediate antecedent of the word any is this in this passage is the word us. 
And I think it is perfectly clear that Peter is saying that God is not willing that any of us should perish, but that all of us should come to salvation. He's not speaking of all mankind indiscriminately. The us is a reference to the believing people to whom Peter is speaking. I don't think we want to believe in a God who sends Christ to die on, a, on the cross and then crosses his fingers hoping that someone will take advantage of that atoning death. Our view of God is different. Our view is that the redemption of specific sinners was an eternal plan of God and this plan and design was perfectly conceived and perfectly executed so that the will of God so that the will of God to save his people is accomplished by the atoning work of Christ. This does not mean that a limit is placed on the value or the merit of the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is traditional to say that the atoning work of Christ is sufficient for all, that its value is sufficient to cover the sins of all people, and certainly anyone who puts his or her trust in Jesus Christ will receive the full measure of the benefits of that atonement. It is also important to understand that the gospel is to be preached universally. This is another controversial point because on the one hand, the gospel is offered universally to all who are within earshot of preaching of it, but it is not universally offered in the sense that it's offered to anyone without any conditions. It's offered to anyone who believes. It's offered to anyone who repents. Obviously, the merit of the atonement of Christ is given to all who believe and to all who repent of their sins. And that's, I mean, it's, that's really um, all you need to really say about it, what R.C. said there. But he brings up some amazing points here that um, I think simply can, uh, we can get thinking about here. If you're confused by what I just read and you still don't understand what it means, okay, let's ask ourselves again. We have one, one group of people that goes to hell and one group of people that goes to heaven. We would say, yes, we understand that, okay? So when we talk about Christ's death, when we say Christ died for the whole world, that sounds beautiful, that sounds nice. It sounds great. And in a sense, that's true because there's people all over the world that are going to come to salvation and Christ died for. So there is a sense that that is true. But when we're thinking about this, we have to say, do you think that one drop of Christ's blood would would be would be done in vain i mean even one drop absolutely not and especially if you know anything about the old testament and and the you know the seriousness of the sacrifices and the fact that you know when the sacrificial lamb was given you had to eat the whole thing I mean, this was, and, and, and the whole thing had to be used. And it had to be completely cleared out like this. But it was, it was a perfect and spotless sacrifice that was 
given to the people. And when we think about this even deeper, we can say, yeah, I mean, even, you know, think about the Passover in Egypt. It wasn't everybody who, sh who shared in the benefits of this Passover. There was many in Egypt who died. And so th these are the types of things that we have to, to ask ourselves. We go, do we, should, do we really believe that, that Christ's death is in vain? So when we say, okay, well, if, if Christ died for the whole world, then the whole world should be saved. But we know that's not true. So then we say, okay, well then, yeah, he died for the whole world. Then, then we would say, okay, well then, um, then it's, it's only, he died only for those if they believe in him. So they, we have to limit it at some point. And the point that RC is making here is saying, I don't think we should cheapen it at all. I think that every drop of Christ's blood returns back to the Lord in full, like in, and in is a perfect sacrifice. And that all of those that he has chosen to be saved will come to be saved through Christ's atoning work on the cross through that atonement. And not one thing will be lost. And if you have a whole bunch of group of, you know, if you have a whole group of people in hell, then there's some that are lost. And you say, well, Christ died for them. Well, why are they in hell? That would mean that their, their sins were forgiven. Right? There, there's conditions about the sacrifice. And I think this is even where we can, this is where we do well to learn more about the Passover and, and, and understand the Passover because there's, there's, there's limited aspects of the Passover here that's, that plays out. And I think every bit of that, um, plays out in Christ. Um, so I, I, I believe, as I said in the beginning, this is one of those points that I have recently flipped on, but I have, I have recently fully embraced it, and, and I find it in Scripture. Um, because I don't, think, I don't think that we can apply Christ's death to somebody that's not saved and somebody that's going to be burning in hell. It wasn't like, ah, oh, man, dang it. I, I so wish that my sacrifice could have been better to save you. Like, no, that's, I mean, that's absurd to even say that. Now, I, I respect there's the other side to this, which I come from. I come from a side that was very staunchly against this view. So I've, I've literally flipped on it because I was mediocre in it and I was among the universal um, aspect of the atonement, but in the way of obviously not universalism. That's heresy. That means that Christ died for everybody and the whole world is saved and that's, that's complete heresy. But um, in the way that we say that, okay, Christ died for everybody, but that, uh, that application is only applied for those who believe in him but then you know i thought you, you begin to think about it and you're like well no because then there's going to be those who are lost that he, and and you literally are faced with the question of saying okay then did he fail to save 
and that and i mean that, you know by no means like the strongest negative of that i can say no absolutely not to even say that is is i mean straight blasphemy so but i don't think that any of that is in vain not not one drop of that i think that is for his people his sheep i think it's it's very biblical um you know we have john 6 verses 37 through 39 i won't go over all of them but you get you all if y'all want to look them up i mean study them pray on them um maybe you won't come to this conclusion but understand that this is certainly not a doctrine of men this is something that this is biblical and it brings up a wonderful argument is it whosoever believes as in like the lord is just just throwing like salvation out there just like well i hope you come get it are we gonna really dumb down god up down that much i I don't think that we should do that no i think that he he came with a plan and a purpose and this was something that that was done in his sovereignty before the foundation of the world like something that just we have i mean we can't even fathom but i think this is what scripture says and we know you know john 6 it says all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast out okay all who come to him but those are the ones that the father has given him and I mean, he goes on in, in John 10. I mean, the whole book of John really, I, I believe, teaches limited atonement. If if you're gonna, if we're going to be honest, um, if you look at, you know, chapter 10, you look at chapter six, you know, the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't lay his life down for everybody. It's for his sheep. And that's where that's where this conversation is worth having. And I don't think any of us and and again, I don't think that you need to be here if you come to a different conclusion. But you need to understand that this conversation is certainly not a doctrine of man. This is something that you certainly should not just roll your eyes at or misrepresent because this doctrine is very important and it's been something that's been debated again since the the foundation of the church so it's not something that we're all going to solve here um but we we all should understand that we believe that the bible is clear and we believe that there is no um you know obscurity in the teachings of the apostles and we have to remain close to the teachings of the apostles and what they taught and what scripture tells us um you know and i believe that it does and 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 certainly there are some verses that um you know will always get thrown back at you um you know and and they'll well if that's true what about this what about this what about this what about this um those those arguments again those have been um raging since the foundation of time uh, simply put 
I guess the the way to simplify those arguments would be the fact that again you're you're assuming when you're reading and we and we know once we properly exegete scripture we know that all doesn't always mean all and every doesn't always mean every and that sounds kind of you say well that sounds like you're twisting scripture you're gonna know again because then if christ died for all then the whole world would be saved and you go well that's not true you're right so we're not twisting anything here we have to say wait a minute scratch my head here for a second there's something that doesn't make sense here now scripture contradicting itself or do i have a uh, a view that i'm just um you know cooked up in my head absolutely you know well as far as you know the scripture contradicts itself absolutely not scripture is absolutely clear on that but you might have this idea in your head of what you think that this is and it's it's really the point that we should just stop and 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 take a look at these things and this goes along with of course the whole one you know all the whole five points uh, tulip one precedes the other and it builds off the other and so when we get to limited atonement here i mean this this goes we can look backwards and we can see uh, unconditional election we can see the fact that you know the lord did all of these things in his grace and that he controls all of this and that um you know man was totally depraved but through his grace and his mercy he chose and he elected some out of his own his own um will what however he wanted to i mean out of his good pleasure and he sent his son to die for those ones that he elected. And I don't believe that he sent his son to die for people that are going to be in hell. So that's a very controversial point. Um, I just ask that you uh, pray on that, that you um, just continue to to study it a little bit more. And, and just I think we all come to greater knowledge of scripture and just you know i think we can um you know start to get you know a little bit more maturity in, in us and and learn that um yeah uh, i i don't think any of that's going to be void so especially if we take this back to the old testament and and understand that um no, nothing was lost no no part of the sacrifice was was to be just left um you know to to have nothing to do with it especially when we're talking passover it was very important that you ate the whole thing and you did it quickly and so um you know again i think i think passover is where where we could probably see this the most so hopefully um that that simplified it a little bit for you um again there's there's some great articles that rc sproul uh, writes on limited atonement um, john macarthur does some great work on limited atonement steve lawson does some great work on limited atonement so i just labeled a lot of reformed guys um uh john barnett i think john barnett holds to um limited atonement so i'm pretty sure that he's kind of more in the middle ground if you don't like super super foreign people um that 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 that'll explain that to you and also got questions.com also has a great write-up on it it's way too long to go over in a podcast i kind of wanted to but it's i realized how long it was 
um, but they they have a great write up on it. So I would I would recommend that you go and look up Got Questions um, note on limited atonement. And they make a very fair case. They say, look, we're not. We are going to argue strongly for five point Calvinism here. You don't have to agree with us. We love you if you disagree with us on this point. Um, they even provide some arguments against the point that they're getting ready to present in limited atonement. So I think it's great to look at those those arguments on the other side of it and understand them. As I said, is I came from that, and I would argue against. I would argue, you know, against harsh against limited atonement. Um, but I think, again, I just think the Lord just brought it, uh, at least the conversation to my head and I, and it got me to think about it. And I'm, I think that we all can see that this is a biblical doctrine and not a doctrine of men once you, once you look into it. So check them out and, uh, hopefully that simplifies it and we will be back next time with, I. On the day of judgment. Do not, do not fear for the atheist so much, the thief, the murderer. If you want to be afraid for someone on the day of judgment, be afraid for those who carried the title pastor. Let me give you an example. I gave this example last night. Let's say that a king had a bride. He loved her. He dressed her in white. She was pure and precious to him. And the people admired her for her, for her virtue, for her merit. And the king has to go on a long journey. And so he, he uh, tells his steward, he calls his steward in and he says, here are the directions and you are to care for my bride. You do not deviate from this, not, not one jot or tittle. And when I come back, you'll be rewarded or I'll come back and you will be severely punished. Keep this book, these instructions with regard to her. Well, after a few years, this steward realizes that the people are losing their loyalty in the king. And they're no longer concerned about the bride because, well, she's just prudish. She's old-fashioned. So he takes her and dresses, takes off her beautiful white garment and replaces it with something really sensual. Paints her face like a prostitute and then marches her up and down the kingdom and uses this new look to attract carnal men back into the kingdom. When that king comes back, there, there are no words to describe what he will do to that steward. And when Jesus Christ comes back, there are no words to describe what he will do to many of these men who call themselves pastors who have done to his bride exactly what the steward did in that parable. I